Look, buying a car can be a stressful experience, but True Car is changing car buying forever. Yes, True Car helps car buyers get rid of that fear that they might overpay for a vehicle. Last month alone, over 45,000 cars were sold by the True Car certified dealer network, and TrueCar.com users save an average of $3,046 off MSRP. When you're ready to buy a car, just follow these three easy steps. First, go to TrueCar.com and find out what other people paid for the car you're looking to buy. Then register at TrueCar.com to see upfront pricing information and lock in your savings. Third and finally, it's very simple. Print out your True Car Savings Certificate and take it to the True Car Certified Dealer for a better, hassle-free car buying experience. Every day, TrueCar.com users receive negotiation-free, guaranteed savings. Save time, save money, never overpay. Visit TrueCar.com today. Some features not available in all states. Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo-woo! And now, Dan and Ty. Welcome back to the Solid Verbal, boys and girls. Ty Hildebrand here. Dan Rubenstein right on over there. Solidverbal at gmail.com. Still the email address. 408 verbal one now, the reverb line, if you'd like to call in and let us know your thoughts. Again, 408-VERBAL-1. Give us a call all throughout the weekend. We will take those voice messages, mix them up, and play them back for you when we do our show. On Sunday, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, on Fancred. And, of course, on the Twitter, Daniel, it is game week. This is our week one preview of the 2014 season. Are you psyched? ay 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 I'm very excited. To, I don't know what that sound was. That's just what I let come out of me naturally. Yeah. And I feel fantastic. I am ready for this season. I'm going to be honest. I'm more excited for this season than I was last year. I don't know what it was. There was a lot to be excited about last year, but I, th- I think physically, emotionally, spiritually, I wasn't in as good a place as I could have been last year. This year, though, I feel great. I'm not going to be watching games in an office as much. I am going to be enjoying football everywhere. The SEC network, I'm told, is a place with a lot of SEC. The Pac-12 network goes to my TV. I'm going to have everything at the ready. Lots of stories, lots of games, lots of solid verbal. You know what it could be, Dan? It could be that we've got a playoff this year. You know what? That might be it. Maybe things were getting stale for me, and I am very curious. I'm excited to see the process. I am... I am just ready for new, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. Well, we are fired up for the season. We're going to have a special celebrity guest on. Now, last year when we did this show, our our guest was was Lex Steele, a, a gentleman, uh, an, an adult film star who made a sound like this on our show. Uh, <laughs> a little creepy. This right. time around, we've got a serious upgrade. No disrespect to Mr. Steele. Jim Ross from the very popular Ross Report podcast, which drops every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern on Podcast One. Yep. Of course, formerly of the WWE, he's going to stop by here and pick a handful of games with us. And maybe we'll talk some Oklahoma football, since I know he's uh, a Norman resident currently and a huge Oklahoma fan. 
Yeah, I mean, we were under the impression that Lex Steele was as good as they come. Yep. Yep. But Jim Ross yep. is, that's a big pull, big get. I'm excited for Jim Ross. Big hat, yep. big Oklahoma fan, big opinions, big souses. Absolutely. We're going to talk about all that and more again. He's our special guest. He'll be by a little later on in the show. One more time, the Pick'em Pool still is operational. If you head on out to solidverbal.com slash contest, you can find the mm-hmm. link to get in on that. As soon as you hear this, and if you have not signed up for the Pick'em League, do it. Pause the show. We'll wait. Sign up for the league. Absolutely. Well, let's get right into it, Dan. It's the start of a new season. Dan, time, help. I need picks of the week. We've got a number of games to get through, Dan. We've got our locks. We've got Chris the Capper's locks. Let's start with We've got Katie the Capper's locks. Katie the Capper's locks, right? Yes, absolutely. We've got, I mean, we definitely have a a look in at the, the Patriot League. That's right. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I've got that Believe ready me that to go. nature. I've got that ready to go. Let's start with the first major college football game of the new season. Starts yes. Thursday night, 6 p.m. SEC Network. Whew. That's a new thing. At South Carolina. The Gamecocks, a 10 and a half point favorite mm-hmm. over Texas A&M. Dan, can you imagine? I was thinking about this on the way up here. Can you only imagine if this game had been played a year ago on Thursday night between Johnny Football and Jadavian Clowney? Yeah, that would have been that would have been fun as all heck, as the kids like to say. Um, I still think this year's matchup in the new look team element of it, it feels pretty exciting. I it's like I'm very curious to see Kevin Sumlin with Kevin Sumlin players. I'm very excited to see Steve Spurrier in like the 3.0 mold, whatever, whatever the iteration of the South Carolina team is as it relates to his, his time in Columbia. I think it's very interesting. You don't have the superstar Manziel Clowney thing, but you have perceived strength against strength. It appears with, uh, with Texas A&M's offense and South Carolina's defense. And if you remember last year, which I know you do. Oh yeah. Um, when South Carolina played North Carolina on this opening night, Thursday game, the big story was how sticky and humid and crampy everybody was i'm curious to see what kind of role that plays not just in this thursday night game but in all of the the outdoor southern games this opening weekend because as somebody i know you've been down south but as somebody who's been down south specifically for this first weekend i've been in both oxford for this opening weekend in late august and in athens it is stanky yeah i'm curious to see who's built up that stamina south carolina doesn't play that quickly but Texas A&M, how quickly they can play in that Columbia thickness. Right. Well, Kenny Hill now is the new starting quarterback in College yes. Station. He beat out super freshman Kyle Allen. There are plenty of playmakers out there, Dan, for the Aggies yes. because Kevin Sumlin, as you said, is recruiting Kevin Sumlin players. Yep. A&M has no less than 57 guys on this team that could catch a football at this point. True. The yep. offense, as you mentioned, is going to be just fine. The problem last year was the defense. 111th in the nation in yards per game. That Mm -hmm. simply needs to get better. It will get better this season. My argument, though, is not in time for this game. Not in time for South Carolina, which is an experienced, a veteran group. Yeah, This team could win the SEC East. It could win the SEC as a whole because they've got a veteran quarterback in Dylan Thompson, Mm -hmm. a Heisman caliber running back in Mike Davis, maybe the best line Steve Spurrier's ever had. This team is going to be able to move the ball on A&M in a balanced, 
methodical way that perhaps wears them down in that humidity. Yeah, it's definitely an experienced line. It's a talented line. I'm not crazy about them as a, a top-level SEC offensive line. But yes, uh, I think your analysis is spot on. My general takeaway from looking at the strengths and weaknesses, obviously Texas A&M's defense is a huge concern, but their their potential for offensive firepower considering their own offensive line I think is intriguing as all hell. When I look at this game, I look at Texas A&M's defense being the clear worst unit on the field. Yep. Yes? Yep. They'll play a lot of young guys. I'm very intrigued by Miles Garrett. I'm at the, they've recruited guys in the secondary that I think are eventually going to be good. I think it's a 2015 formidable defense situation um, in a game that I feel like the teams are pretty comparable, but that that weakest unit is on the road. And granted, week one, we'll, we'll put a big old asterisk just because we can. Week one games are pretty much impossible against the spread. Absolutely. There's just so many variables and you never know how it, the big adjustment becomes between week one and two when you really get to know a team. But... I'm going with the home team. I like it in the range of like a 33 to 20 type game. Texas A&M and Kenny Hill will have their moments. I'm curious about that three-headed monster in the backfield for Texas A&M. And make no mistake, we like using the phrase three-headed monster. Texas A&M literally has one person with three heads, (laughs) which is going to be fantastic. Um, But no, Texas A&M will get theirs, but they're still too leaky, especially the inside of that defensive line. Still too many questions for me on the road. I agree with you. I'm going home team here. I think South Carolina wins the game. I am, however, terrified. And when I say terrified, Dan, I do mean terrified of this point spread. Yeah, because because look, A&M is going to throw the football and South Carolina's main weakness. If there is one on its defense is the secondary. Yeah. So I'm going to lay the points. I'm going to take South Carolina to win by more than ten and a half at home. But terrified. But it feels like. Oh, feels like it could be a backdoor covery kind of game. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Um, I would be more enthusiastic about the backdoor. You say that, that's a weird way to start the sentence. Um, if South Carolina didn't have Mike Davis, somebody who can wear a game down and keep the ball yeah. for South Carolina. But yes, it does feel like Kevin Sumlin's not going to just concede if he's down 17 nope. late in the fourth quarter. Nope. So uh, yeah, certainly uh, it's in the realm of possibility. Let's move on another Thursday night game. This one immediately yes. following at 8 p.m. on ESPN. It's Ole Miss, a favorite by 10 points over the Boise State Broncos. This one is a Chick-fil-A kickoff game, Dan, Mm. being held at the Georgia Dome because, you know, Dr. Bo was just passing on through rural Georgia. Beep, boop, beep, 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 You know, he cured a herd of sick cattle or something, thought maybe he'd swing by, use that scalpel on the Broncos from Idaho territory. Country doctor, Dr. Bo. This is the first of two Chick-fil-A kickoff games this year. Chick-fil-A coming in heavy. With the sponsorship money, you know, they did something to their spicy chicken sandwich. I don't know if you go to Chick-fil-A at all. I don't have one near me, so I would like to do it more than I do. But unfortunately, it's just not an option. They did something. Although I did have a lot of fried chicken this week on Easy Call. I saw that. Yeah. If you have a chance, Chick-fil-A did something to the spicy chicken sandwich that makes it decidedly spicier. Maybe it's got something to do with two Chick-fil-A kickoff games this year. I'm not sure. Can you not handle it? You know, it a little bit of sweat, a little bit of sweat on the old brow. What do you dip it in? Sometimes I'll put some of the honey mustard sauce on it. Okay, I feel like that neutralizes some of the heat. But it's definitely hotter in like the last year or so. Interesting. 
Is this a consensus among the fine employees that you eat lunch with? I don't know. I need people to write in. Most okay. of the people I eat lunch with aren't brazen enough to go spicy chicken sandwich on the lunch break. Okay, let's not go crazy, fellas. We got an afternoon ahead of us. Spicy chicken, you rebels. This game is spicing up opening weekend, Dan. Ah, please don't do that anymore. This one's Ole Miss and Boise in the Georgia Dome. Ole Miss, again, a 10-point favorite. Yeah. I am all in on Ole Miss this season. Really? As I am every season. Yeah, that's true. A ton of talent, a ton of guys back for Hugh Freeze. I'm going to jump in real quick. You know when uh, you're watching a game back, that an old game, and all of a sudden a, an ESPN guy comes up and he says, for the sake of time, we jump ahead in the action? Yeah. And that's when you realize it's not a live game. Mm. Um, for the sake of the listeners, I should mention that Ty's audio track is from last October. <laughs> <laughs> we now skip ahead in his Ole Miss preview. I'm all in on Ole Miss every yeah. season. Yeah, this is true. So... The offensive line, a little questionable in my, in my mind. But yeah, a lot, lot of replacements. Still a really solid team. My boy Laquan Treadwell is going yep. to be Laquanosaurus Treadwell this year. Oh. Anyone? Uh, Anyone? We'll see if it's you like that? It could be your fetch. It could be your Melgar. We'll see. Where are you at with Ole Miss? Where are you at with Boise here? I like a lot of Ole Miss. I really like Ole Miss secondary. I'm not crazy about Boise. I think they'll eventually be pretty good. I don't think Brian Harson is the coach that Chris Peterson uh, was for Boise and will be for Washington. Uh, there are there are parts I like. I still like a couple of the receivers. I really like their running back, Jay Ajayi. Ajayi. Uh, Ajayi. Um, there, there are parts. Whereas Ole Miss, I feel like they have come together a lot more. I really like their defensive line. I, I'm curious with Boise State if they, they score quickly and Ole Miss adjust to whatever Brian Harson's trying to do how well his adjustment to the adjustment is in a huge dome on the road uh, against a talented Ole Miss team with its own questions. Um, if they can get to Dr. Bo, I'm not crazy about the running game of Ole Miss and how well they can be balanced. Laquan Treadwell's great, but they lose uh, Dante Moncrief, who's been rock solid and a very, very good go-to receiver for a long time. So curious to see how Bo Wallace spreads the ball around. Ole Miss playing with the experience that they do have. Uh, I do like the Rebels here. Probably barely covering, maybe like a yeah. um, a thirty four twenty three type game. Maybe not even that high scoring. Maybe like a twenty eight seventeen. Okay. Well, I would say this: don't sleep on Boise just because Brian Harson is now back in town and he's not as right. good a coach as Chris Peterson, which I agree with. By the way, he does have an experienced crew, and yes. he's got that running back. And this is the great myth of Boise State football: the true heart and soul of Boise State football of the system that Brian Harson ran at Arkansas State. Right. The true heart and soul is the running game. It's not the trick plays. Sure. It's the running game. And Harson is going to pound the rock all season long. The offensive line needs to hold up, though. Yeah, I was going to say, I would add, the heart and soul was really great line play for Boise State. They had NFL talent on both the offensive and defensive lines sure. for a long time. I don't think they do this here. So here are my three predictions for this game. Yeah. The first is that Dr. Bo. Although he's got an exacting and precise scalpel. Absolutely. And Herculean hair, as our friend Clay Travis put it in his picks column. Yes. He's going to get flustered and throw a bad interception in this game. That well, is, that's, that's natural to expect from Dr. Bo. Number two, Boise is going to have a hard time driving against the Ole Miss defense. Yeah. And three, I think this is a boring game that goes under 54 points. I really so think like, it's so you're more passionate about the under than you are the the line. I like the un, I'm a little more passionate about the under 54. 
Mm-hmm. Less than 54 total points. Ty's th- got that sweet under passion. That's right. I think Ole Miss <laughs> wins the game. That's where you play the Lex Steel drop. Like that? Yeah. Ty's got that sweet it's under passion. It's taken me a while to get back in the swing of things here. I'm right. sorry. No, it's okay. It's, it's the preseason for us, too. It's the non-conference episode. Here's why I'm taking Boise State. Okay. Boise's a funny duck in these big non-conference games on opening weekend. True. And I like their experience on defense just enough to keep this one tight. Just enough. I think Ole Miss wins, but I think Boise can can keep it tight. And there's also a lot of pressure on Ole Miss, too. Don't forget about that. The True. path is reasonably straightforward for them yep. this season. If they can make it through September and the first weekend in October, uh, they're money. So yep. there's your season. Do something Alabama, LSU, and Auburn. All of a sudden, you've got a shot at this thing. So I like Correct. Ole Miss to win this game. I think it's quietly one of the better games of the weekend, although it might be more defense than you bargained for. Correct. I think that's all very reasonable. Ty, well struck. Let's move on. 8.30. Oh, God. Could this be right? I, I hope not. 8.30 in the a.m., Dan. We're getting an early start on ESPN, too. This is true. It's a game in Croke Park, Dublin, Ireland. Is it really that early? 8.30 a.m. Eastern. Oh, my God. Okay. Continue. Penn State, a two-point underdog. Yes. Against UCF. Dan, here's a headline you don't see every day that we saw, well, we've seen, excuse me, over the last couple of weeks. Right. Quote, volcano could jeopardize Penn State UCF game in Ireland. Oh, Iceland. Can you imagine the sweet, sweet Joe versus the volcano jokes we could have made if Joe Paterno were still coaching? I probably would have made that. Yes. Yeah. 8.30 a.m. It does check out your scoreboard reading. Um yeah, this is, they had this a few, couple of years ago, two or three years ago, there were a number of interrupted flights. I don't think college football was affected no. by an Icelandic volcano. My but, God, no. Um, should this game happen, <laughs> what what do you like in this game? What do you dislike? Obviously, you have paid a lot more attention to Penn State this offseason than most people, uh, especially more than you've paid attention to UCF. Do you like this line? Uh, do you like James Franklin in his opener across the sea? I like this kind of game as a fan. If I'm James Franklin and as James Franklin has intimated, he doesn't really care for it. It makes things a little more difficult. Sure. I estimate, as I said on our last show, they will somehow use this to spin Penn State as a cool place to play and will try to recruit on it to some degree. To recruit Irish people again. To recruit him. More Matt McGloin's perhaps. Yes. Uh, I like the game as a fan. It's kind of cool that it starts early. You can wake up drink some mimosas with the family, with the friends. That's what I'm going to do. So I like it from that perspective. The line scares me. Okay. The the game scares me, Dan, because Penn State is scary thin, anorexic, if you will, along that offensive line. They should have, at least in the first game, relative depth. (laughs) At least for for one play. Yeah, at least for a play. Donovan Smith, the left tackle, he's the only offensive lineman with any experience. That doesn't mean it's going to be a bad offensive line. It just means we don't know what we've got quite yet. Right. So I am terrified that Christian Hackenberg either regresses, gets hurt, or both this coming season. Plus, his top two receivers are gone. A freshman's going to have to step up and become the new number one wide receiver because I just don't think the guys they have are number one caliber. So I, I don't know here. I, the strength of the team is still the defense, which is a familiar spot for Penn State fans. I, a fair amount of experience on that side of the ball and maybe more depth than you find elsewhere which is a good thing when facing a redshirt freshman quarterback taking his first ever college snaps in a foreign country for UCF. Mm -hmm. But I am terrified here. I am terrified. 
I, I think I go Penn State because it's a homer pick, but I could definitely see a scenario where UCF ends up waxing Penn State the way Lee Corso said. And UCF beat Penn State last year, correct? Yeah, it was a shootout. Yeah. It was a shootout. Right. Where's my sound? Hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to get used to this. Where's my shootout sound? There it is. <laughs> Taking me a little bit, but I'm going to get back in the swing of things. Uh, fair enough. There's certainly more to like about UCF in terms of experience and proven talent, especially on defense. Obviously, the, the thing that everybody's going to point to is they lose Blake Bortles, they lose to Storm Johnson. But yep. outside of that, um, and granted, they I think they lose two or three really good offensive linemen. The strength of this UCF team is on defense. They get a decently good quarterback in Christian Hickenberg. Christian Hackenberg. Or can we just call him Christian Hickenberg? Sure. Uh, and Christian Hackenberg, it's, yeah, it's who's he throwing to, especially when the secondary is so good for the Knights. Um, I think Penn State just has very little in the way of options. They can win an ugly game. They can win an ugly, healthy game. But I like UCF. In terms of this game being very close, it's a two-point spread. I think UCF is probably a touchdown better than uh, than Penn State at the moment. They've got a good coach and good coaching staff. Uh, Penn State, I still think, is going to be feeling their way through new schemes, especially going overseas to be communicating in a weird non-football stadium. New coaching staff, new everything, lack of depth. Yeah. I like Penn State in the long term. I think UCF is a touchdown better here. I'm going to say Knights... <laughs> 21-13. Yeah, that's a reasonable pick. And UCF, we should add, is loaded at wide receiver. They bring yes. back their entire defense. There are weapons. Yeah, there are it's, defense, yeah. it's not going to be easy for either side, really, to move the ball. And I think you're probably fooling yourself if you think UCF's going to take a big step back because they lose their two best players. Clearly, this team is the class of its conference. And I think, as you said, maybe a touchdown better. I'm just going to go homer pick here. I think Penn State wins ugly. You know, it's fitting this game's in Europe because it might be more like a soccer match if Penn State's going to win, maybe like 14-10, right. something of that variety, an ugly football game in Ireland. So two games in a row that we disagree. This is correct. Let's move yeah. on. Let's see if we can make it three in a row. Let's do it. My hunch is that we probably don't here. Okay. 3.30 p.m. It is the second of two Chick-fil-A kickoff games, Dan. You know. Correct. This is the consolation prize to not play in the grand opener, but hopefully Nick Saban can still have his team ready to play anyway. Yeah, I want to make a confession, by the way. Yeah. My first kiss was also Nick Saban's daughter. Oh, breaking news. <sighs> yeah. Clint, even, Clint Trickett, reportedly yeah. his first kiss. He came even out more and shocking, said this. Even more shocking. It was it was a month ago. Yeah. <laughs> it was one month ago to the day. Continue. Sorry. Clint Trickett's first kick. First kiss. kiss excuse yeah. me. Was apparently Nick Saban's daughter, Kristen. Yep. Mm hmm. The line right. is 26 in this game, Dan. It's a neutral site. Yeah. Chick-fil-A kickoff game in the Georgia Dome, Alabama against West Virginia. So look, let's be fair here. West Virginia's defense should be better this season. Can't be a whole lot. I mean, no, they actually took a step forward last season. They were really terrible two years ago. Should be better. Right. But Alabama is going to dominate here. This isn't even a fair fight. We right? don't even know who's playing quarterback most of the time for Alabama we, at the time we're recording this. We don't, but it's still not a fair fight, Dan. No, obviously it's not a fair fight. If there's anything you can point to, it's the possibility that West Virginia has shown the, the ability to throw the ball well in the relative recent history. And if there's anything that Alabama can be picked on, it's a, it's a good passing game um, with their secondary. I feel like 
that's the real slim hope that Virginia, West Virginia can keep it close with a bunch of just like, let's just go for it. Let's just there. You know, Alabama's had injury, just misfortune in the secondary. They've had attrition with the draft. They're going to be counting on in there too deep, at least a couple of freshmen who, by the way, are friggin' outstanding football players. Oh, yeah. But um, I feel like that's the hope for West Virginia at this point is that they can somehow get into a rhythm. Clint Tricking can get into a rhythm through the air. At this point, 26 points without knowing the quarterback, that's a lot to ask. Whoever the quarterback is going to be for Alabama is, a, is an almost completely unproven commodity on any sort of big regular stage. I'm going to say there's a backdoor cover here. I'm going to say it's never really in doubt from the beginning of the third quarter on, from halftime on, but I could see a 34-13 game. There it is. 34-13, huh? Nick Saban, longtime West Virginia resident, Mm. not looking to show up the home state. You know what, Dan? Wow. That, that That is a good prediction right there. Ooh. There have been some games before where he hasn't run it up. But then again, Derrick Henry against the West Virginia offense. Here's and my TJL. question. Yeah. Does Alabama need a quarterback here? Oh, I should also point out Lane Kiffin at the beginning of a season being in charge of an offense. So <laughs> I'm, I'm throwing out all of my things here. It is um, Nick Saban's offense. I should be clear. But still, the, the, the whole say the whole uh, Lane Kiffin, the touch of Kiff. It scares me. You you bring up good points. I yeah. can't go against my gut though. My gut says go with Alabama. They don't Alabama need a quarterback minus here. Minus anything, right? AMA. It's, it's not a fair fight. The defense can't be any worse for West Virginia than it was last season, but that's not saying right. a whole lot. And Alabama is loaded as ever, especially at the skill spots. So right. I think Alabama wins this one the way it wins a lot of games, and they're just going to wear down West Virginia with the running game. They'll win something mm-hmm. like 37-10, barely cover yep. that spread. Yeah. Three in a row, we disagree. Yeah. Disagree, disagree, disagree. 5.30 on Saturday oh, on ESPN. I'm excited. This one's being played in Athens, Georgia, where the Bulldogs are a seven and a half point favorite against the Clemson Tigers, Dan. If you look at the schedule, yeah, this is a must win for both teams, but for is entirely it? different reasons, I think. Okay. I mean, it's still non-conference. It is, but look, we've got a playoff this year. True. These teams all have a shot. You don't want to go out there. Right. And leave a bad impression. Correct. Big stage. By the way, I will have just woken up from a nap for this game, so I will have a lot of energy. Look at Georgia's schedule. This is one of three or four tougher games on the whole thing. If the dogs can sort out quarterback and defense, which is a lot. Other than that, no, I I like their defense. If they can sort out both those question marks, there's a shot of running the table here and a win here keeps those hopes alive Clemson on the other hand if if you look at their schedule they're staring down the barrel of a one and two start if they drop this one maybe even one and three if North Carolina lives up to all my expectations wow I think this is a win they need to save face because you know they're losing in a few weeks from now to to Florida State that's going to happen so here's the question I have Dan can Georgia get the run game going behind a relatively new O-line against a really experienced really really stout front seven from Clemson right uh, that's where it, that's oh, that's what it comes down. That's the big question. Yeah. Oh, I thought you. I thought that was a first. 
a, a series of questions. That's my first, second, third, and fourth okay, question about this that's game. That's a totally reasonable question. Here's the good news for the Georgia offensive line. They have two incredible running backs behind them, and they will do relatively creative things with them. In games like these, where I there are there are things I really like and there are things I have big questions about for both of these teams, and they're going head-to-head. You have the, the new Chad Morris offense for Clemson going against the new Jeremy Pruitt defense for Georgia. The Georgia linebacking core is probably as good, if not better than just about anybody in the country. Um, The Clemson front seven or the Clemson, excuse me. Yeah. The Clemson front seven is quite good as well going against Georgia's offense, but Georgia's sort of new look quarterback, full-time quarterback and what kind of rhythm he can get in. What's the situation with Malcolm Mitchell and his injury. It seems like that'll be game time or he just, he'll just be limited. Um, but Clemson's offense is really interesting to me. It feels like Taj Boyd has been there for so long. And now finally it's the Cole Stout era. Zach Brooks is out for, I think the season with a, a torn ACL. So I am just taking points. There are all sorts of things I like. There are matchups going up against each other. I like to, to see what happens. I just, I feel like it's two boulders colliding and what's going to happen is it's going to be 31, 28 Georgia probably. And you know, the points are taken. I agree with you. I really do. And the tendency, I I think, just from what I've read, is for people to not take Clemson seriously because they lost a lot of big names. They really did. But even still, you look at the talent, this game feels fairly even to me. I don't know. It's only a touchdown and a half line. Sure. Feels like it could be a bit of a defensive struggle, if that's even possible. If I can get a touchdown and that half point hook, Mm-hmm. I am inclined to take it. So I'm going to take Clemson as well. Yeah. I, I'm very curious about Jeremy Pruitt without Florida State secondary talent. That no. to me is, is, is going to be the fascinating thing. Of course, that was Jeremy Pruitt's background at Alabama um, and Florida State secondary was out of control. He let them play on islands like crazy. I don't think you, you can maybe do that with Damian Swan, but that's it. With what they lost in the in the back end of that defense. Cole Stout could uh, could. Cole Stout to Adam Humphreys for 68. Yeah. That could be a thing. Could be a thing. Occasion thing. But yes, it's a thing. Could be a thing. Yeah. Let's move on. Eight o'clock game. They call this one the Cowboy Classic. Oh my God. That was a pretty good voice. I like that. Last year, this game was between LSU and TCU. This is correct. Not a bad game. It ain't a real Cowboys classic, Dan, until Pistol Pete comes to town in a battle of Cowboys versus Indians. So, oh, wow. Did you come up with that yourself? That was all me, man. That was pretty good, Ty. So this is what your secret day job is. Uh Uh-huh. Writing college football intro puns. Fire up that pun gun, baby. Yeah. Uh, Cowboy classic. Cowboy classic. Cowboy Stadium in Arlington, Texas. 8 (laughs) p.m. on ABC. It's the featured game of the evening. Florida State. An 18-point favorite neutral site game against Oklahoma State. I don't want to dismiss the Cowboys here because I'm excited about them and all that. Right. But come on. <laughs> I mean, the story here is Florida State, you know. True. Um, and and I, I'm just going to go back to this. Last year, I got lulled into one of those Twitter conversations with Bud Elliott from Tomahawk Nation, our friend. Yep. All right. And I say lulled because... I would say the arrowhead atop the FSU Twitter spear. Right. He's the spearhead, if you will. Right. Um, I got lulled into it because it was later at night and I was tired. And he made a comment about 2013 Florida State potentially having more talent than 01 Miami. Okay. 
my first reaction, which, by the way, was a logical reaction, but it was right. knee jerk. And it was that he Ted was crazy. Dorsey. Right. Yeah. It was that he was crazy. The problem now is that he might actually be right because this isn't a college team, right? This is this is a minor league NFL team. They're not going to go out and beat the Jaguars or anything crazy, but I'm not betting against Florida State all year. Some it's things sort of football purgatory, like it's not quite college, not quite the NFL sort of hanging in the balance between. It's like limbo in yeah. uh, in uh, what was the movie? Help me out here. The movie Crazy uh, Buildings, Leo DiCaprio. Dude, where's Inception, my car? Inception. Okay. Dude, where's my car? Oh, <laughs> uh, God. Uh, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> right. Well, the point is this. Yeah. Some things do not need to be overthought here. Jameis Winston leads the best team in the nation out there on the field first week of the yes. year. He takes advantage of a weak secondary for Oklahoma State. They win this one going away by three touchdowns and cover the 18 spread. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think so as well. There's, there's just too many reasons. There are too many reasons to like Florida State. Here, my, my big curiosities are this. How well can Oklahoma State run power? This is something that Florida State people, including, and we love Bud, have mentioned. Florida State's built to neutralize speed everywhere. Their defensive linemen are ridiculously fast and athletic. Their, you know, their linebackers are look like safeties and hit like defensive ends. And their safeties are everywhere. So if Oklahoma State can get going, and they've had really good luck with offensive linemen, but they lose Joe Wickline. They lose offensive linemen, but they've recruited well. They develop well. If they can get a power game going with Big Des Roland, that's somewhat intriguing to see if they can eat some clock. And also what kind of creativity with all sorts of the, the attrition on defense. I think like all of the linebackers are gone. Of course, their best cover corner is gone in Justin Gilbert. Calvin Barnett, their best defensive lineman, gone. So the just stars all over the defense are gone. How creative and disguisey can Glenn Spencer be? Mm. Jameis Winston did make mistakes last season. Um that's a loaded statement, but um, Jameis Winston made mistakes at the beginning of games sometimes where he couldn't fully get a read on and figure the football out field. Yes. Um, I am curious to see what Oklahoma State does. Uh, Coy Wire from Fox Sports wrote a whole thing about disguised blitzes, especially in the A-gap and, and Jameis and the offensive lineman's inability at times to read them. Curious to see what they do early on in the game in terms of disguising. Unfortunately, I just don't think Oklahoma State, while they do have intriguing offensive talent. They've recruited well, especially at receiver and could challenge Florida state at times. There's, there are not enough waves that Oklahoma state can come at Florida state with to really neutralize the Seminoles for four quarters. I like Florida state here, 38, 38, 14, 38, 17, somewhere in there. Okay. So you're saying right around the point spread right around, but I think Florida state covers when in doubt, I, you just go with the superior talent yep. and many more reasons to like a team. The old whoever minus anything approach, right? Alabama minus point, anything, yeah. Florida State minus anything. I think that's fair in this game. Florida, 2014 Florida State against 2013 Oklahoma State, especially defensively, fascinating. Kelvin Benjamin against Justin Gilbert. That's to me is the dream scenario. That's not the reality nope. scenario. Nope, not anymore. Not in 2014. So. Right. And then that's followed by the nine o'clock game. Yes. On ESPN. This is... This might be the best, most evenly matched game of the entire weekend. Yeah, this and Georgia Clemson, I agree. LSU, a five-point favorite mm -hmm. against the Wisconsin Badgers. These are two fan bases that we compared many, many moons ago on one yes. of our email shows as being more alike than they are different. Correct. This is the Advocare Texas kickoff 2014 game. 
Mm. In NRG oh, Stadium, whatever that is in Houston, Texas. We determine advocate of vitamins, correct? That is right. Yep. All right. Uh, from from Paul Meyerberg, quote, LSU has not lost a regular season non-conference game since the first game of the 2002 season. Wow. <sighs> Maybe if Oregon State had a kicker. Yeah. Yep. So here, here's what I like about this one. Basically a home game for LSU because it's only about four hours away from Houston. Mm-hmm. The matchup for me is Wisconsin's front seven against LSU's offensive line. I think LSU in this game goes super conservative until they have more confidence in their quarterback. Right. That means a steady diet of Terrence McGee, mm-hmm. of Kenny Hilliard, of super yeah. freshman Leonard Fournette, who, oh, by the Leonard way, Fournette. oh, by the way, Bruce Feldman in his bold predictions column said Leonard Fournette would be the first true freshman to win a Heisman. Heisman. You're going to get a lot of LSU beef up front, Dan. <laughs> yes, you are. Um, I like Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of that one? You like oh, that one? That's pretty. I like Mel Gore. I like the Wisconsin offensive line, but I'm just not yeah. confident about much else. So, Give me LSU by a touchdown here, 24-17. Yeah, the, the LSU defensive line worries me a little bit. Wisconsin might be able to eat a lot of clock away with experienced offensive line. With It's not just Melvin Gordon, by the way. Tanner McAvoy is going to be mobile, at least, in extending plays. Corey Clement's very, very good and a really good changeup to Melvin Gordon. Um, and LSU's defensive line, last year they were good. They're smaller and they might not be able to just be on their own island. John Chavis, what kind of help does he have to give this defensive line, which is good, but not the Sam Montgomery, 285 pounds and ridiculously fast good. So that's Wisconsin's big chance there. I like Tanner McAvoy. He's not like a, he's not a true freshman, redshirt freshman. He's an older guy. Uh, JC transfer. He was at South Carolina. I am. I'm curious to see. LSU offensively, and you're right, going against Wisconsin's front seven, which is pretty much all new. Chris Borland had a, had a fantastic 10 years in Madison. It was time to move on. Um, they're, they're all new up front, going to Houston, playing against LSU in humidity, and LSU's offensive line is enormous. Curious to see, when, one, who gets the majority of the snaps a quarterback for LSU, what kind of rhythm either Jennings or Harris gets into with, I mean, there's, there's experience, Quantavius, Leslie and draw, whatever, but it's also Trey Quinn, Malachi Dupree. They're, they're working in new guys. How conservative will they be? I assume you're going to be correct in that they're going to be conservative as hell and just run, 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 and probably keep the score low, probably keep the ball in their hands for a long time. So I'm saying 21, I was saying, maybe I said 23-17 on easy call, so I'm going to stick with that. So it's another game where the, the favorite barely covers. Because sometimes you need a little fun with your sports. This is not a sports show. This is a me show. The Steve Zavid Show from Yahoo Sports Radio. Sally, how soon before Scott's daughter Instagrams her Sports talk with fun and frivolity. Are you out of your mind? I'm not talking about a sports show. God, I sound terrible, don't I? Oh, excuse me. Hello and welcome. <clears throat> Take three. Listen to the Steve Zabin Podcast on Podcast One. Just search Zabin. C-Z-A-B-A-N. I got carried away. I'm very sorry. All right, Dan, joining us now, he's the host of the very popular Ross Report podcast, which you can find every Tuesday night at 6 p.m. Pacific. Yes. At Podcast One. Also, his website and blog are at www.jrsbarbq.com. That's jrsbarbq.com. Mr. Jim Ross, welcome to the Solid Verbal. How are you, sir? 
I'm good, fellas. How you doing? We're doing well. I got to ask you, Oklahoma football, a lot of hype this year. You're an Oklahoma fan. Are, are you buying in? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I am an Oklahoma fan. I, I go to all the games, home and away. Uh, I have uh, and been doing that for years, which is why we, we moved from Connecticut, and I, I left the uh, WWE uh, uh, administration side and moved back to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Was one of the reasons was to be able to go to the uh, OU football game. So I'm a, I guess you would say I'm a major fan. I, I left a very nice job, uh, earning more money than I probably was I deserved to uh, <laughs> become a professional fan. So I'm all in, man. I love I love college football uh, and pro football. So now, are you at all nervous that uh, the Sugar Bowl was an aberration last year? Uh, no, I'm not. I, I, uh, I don't know what it was. I was there on the sideline. Yeah. It looked like an ass whooping to me, but uh, <laughs> as it may, uh, I know that a lot of excuses were made about why Alabama lost. Uh, I thought they got outplayed, but, uh, nonetheless, uh, Alabama, it's always going to be good. You, you can't recruit and have these top five classes year after year and not, and have massive drop-offs. Uh, I'm told they had chemi- chemistry problems there last year, a lot of individuals, which I'm sure uh, Coach Saban has corrected. So I, I don't think the ha- I think the euphoria of beating Alabama in, in SEC country in New Orleans is uh, is still with us, but it's not as prevalent as it was, uh, you know, uh, closer to the, the game ending. You know, it was it was really cool to, to win that game when you know uh, all the brilliant. Strategists at ESPN said it was just a matter of not if OU was going to lose, but, but how badly are they going to be embarrassed? How bad will the score be? And I think when you get a bunch of kids that are into social media and are seeing that stuff on their Twitter timelines and everywhere else, uh, they get a little tired of it. And and I think that Oklahoma's team uh, responded uh, in a very, very positive way. And it's not like we're the sisters of the poor here where we haven't recruited good players. Right. Uh, the issue was had been uh, inconsistent quarterback play uh, with who we're going to start, who's going to play, and that decision is now uh, is now been made. It's Trevor Knight, the Sugar Bowl MVP, and uh, Blake Bell is now a six foot six, two hundred and seventy pound tight end. That's a big dude. Yeah, and they still and they still may run some Bell Dozer and and some uh, little little options off of that. Uh, uh, but uh, nonetheless, uh, I think they've got their their best players on the field in the in the right position, and and I don't think what our our quarterback did is uh, was an aberration whatsoever. I, he's really. I remember talking to the defensive coordinator Mike Stoops before Oklahoma played uh, Texas A and M in the Cotton Bowl, and Johnny Manziel killed us. And I said, "How we, how are things looking?" He said, "Man, it's going it could be a tough night." He said. We can't even stop our damn scout team quarterback, and I and that was Trevor Knight. Right, he's killed. He's he's played Johnny Manziel in practice all week. He's killed us all month. He's killed us for thirty days. We can't figure out how to stop our own guy, and how we're going to stop number two out there. Speaking of Manziel, you know is, and of course the, that prophecy was upheld because Manziel ran wild in that ball game. They couldn't. Oklahoma couldn't tackle him. 
When you look at this year's schedule, what what games have you circled? They have Tennessee early on and, of course, Texas early on uh, in October. What games are you most excited for this year? Is it, is it a Baylor situation where you're excited to get them back in Norman? What uh, What's circled on your calendar? Every, every you know, there's a lot of games have uh, – every game has something worth circling. Sure. If I had, you know, the, the – uh, you know, beating Louisiana Tech on Saturday, uh, the alma mater, all those Duck Dynasty dudes, I think it's kind of mm-hmm. cool. Uh, then you got the Volunteers coming to town. I don't think I don't think they've ever played Norman, uh, and that's going to be interesting. Of course, that's an SEC team, so that'll be uh, that'll be much ballyhooed mm-hmm. by the SEC disciples, and maybe rightfully so. Uh, I'm. Last time we played K State, Norman, they beat us. I uh, never laid down on a Bill Snyder team. We know, we know that. Uh, the game in the Cotton Bowl is always a bucket list game because no matter who the coach is, uh, it's Oklahoma, Texas, and it's uh, ninety three thousand divided by two, burn orange and crimson, unique environment. I think Charlie Strong's going to do a hell of a job at Texas. He's going to get rid of all the. Uh, the the T-sippers and the blue chippers who don't want to work hard, mm-hmm. uh, or the outlaws or whatever, uh, and uh, he's gonna. I think he's gonna do a great job there, and I think. And I don't know if it's gonna be this year, but they're they're gonna be very very relevant much sooner than people perceive because of the way they recruit. Uh, and then of course the Baylor game is huge. Uh, I was just scared to death that Art Bryles is gonna be hired as a coach at Texas. Was <laughs> scared to crap out of me because he's got such a great rapport with the Texas high school football coaches. Uh, he's recruiting is, uh, is evidence of that. And so we get, we get Baylor at home, which is good. And then when we also get, uh, Oklahoma state at home, the last game of the year, and they're very young, but by the end of the year, if they're healthy, they could be, uh, it could, that's going to be a very interesting matchup because, you know, we had to go to K state to Oklahoma state and then to New Orleans and to play in our last three games of the season last year, and we're lucky enough to win them all. And uh, so if we can just hold home court and uh, win these games on the road that we're supposed to win, uh, then I, I think this team's got a chance to have a real special year. I really do. We've got to keep our quarterback healthy, that's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah, well, rest assured, if Oklahoma makes that playoff, you'll be there watching them. Let's get through four big games from this coming opening weekend of college football. Let's start with Texas A&M, no Johnny Manziel, on the road against South Carolina, no Jadavian Clowney. South Carolina is a 10.5 point favorite. Who do you got? Well, I uh, I looked at this uh, list that you sent me. I didn't do a whole lot of uh, research, I, so I, I have left myself an out, <laughs> ignorance, ignorance to the law. <laughs> I... I uh, Kevin Sumlin is one of my best friends. He, he was a great coach here at Oklahoma before he went to Houston, and now he's at Texas A&M uh, making five mil plus. Uh, he's done a terrific job of recruiting in the state of Texas because, you know, you do the math, they're the only SEC team in Texas. That's a pretty good little recruiting pitch right there. Uh, he's right outside of Houston, so he can recruit on a tank of gas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just don't think that uh, Texas A&M is going empty-handed. Uh, I think that they're probably having a smoother uh, August without Johnny Manziel than they did with him, especially last year. So I'm going to take the points in that game, 
the ten and a half and and go with and and take the Aggies in a ten and a half against uh, Spurrier's uh, Gamecocks. And I love Spurrier. He's one of the most entertaining guys you could listen to, and and it'll be a great atmosphere. But let's just not forget that Texas A&M has, has still recruited great players the last two or three years, and uh, and it's an SEC game, so everybody's going to have a little bit more uh, sauce in their ribs, so to speak. There you uh, go. So I'm going to I'm going to go with A&M and the points. All right. Nice. Let's move to Clemson at Georgia. This one being played in Athens, Georgia. The Bulldogs, a seven and a half point favorite. Jim, who you got? Well, you know it's uh, it's tough to win between the hedges, and uh, they've been the expectations for Georgia to be really good again uh, are in place again this year. And I know the Georgia faithful are waiting. Uh, I got Tony Schiavone on my podcast this week, and uh, uh, they're at uh, podcast one, podcast o n e dot com. That's right. Tell me to say. And uh, Tony is the producer of uh, University of Georgia football and basketball. So, you know, he's, uh, he's all plugged in, says they're going to be good this year. Uh, I've got a little uh, personal side of that deal because I've got uh, our old buddy Brent Venables as the defensive coordinator at uh, Clemson. He was here at OU for years and years, came with Bob's original staff in 1999. So uh, I'm going to go with uh, Clemson. It's a short bus ride to Georgia. It's not a long trip. So travels, because it's a way game, it's not an uh, issue of uh, the airplane thing. It's a bus ride. Uh, I think Georgia wins the game, but I don't think they cover. So I'm going to take Clemson. All right. We agree with you, Mr. Ross. Both Dan and I are taking Clemson as well. Let's move to a game in uh, Cowboys Stadium, the Cowboys Classic between Oklahoma State and Florida State, the Seminoles, of course, defending national champions. They are, well, an 18-point favorite in this game. Do you think Oklahoma State has any shot of winning this game or covering that spread? Very challenging. Uh, Oklahoma State uh, has had a lot of really good players graduate last year. Uh, They have done a nice job of recruiting, but they're going to play probably, I I would suggest to you guys, double-digit uh, either true freshman or redshirt freshman. I'm not sure that's the environment you want to start your career off in, yeah. away from home, in uh, Jerry's world, AT&T Stadium, against the defending national champions and the defending Heisman Trophy winner, who everybody and their mother are predicting to be in the Final Four. Uh, I'd like to think that Oklahoma State can play them, you know, in the 17 range, but I just I can't feel it. I just don't feel it, and I, I wish they would. But I, I think that uh, Florida State covers, uh, and the only thing that that would turn my head on that deal is if Florida State is overconfident. If Oklahoma State can get a big break or two, oh, the one thing about it, Oklahoma State will not come without athletes. They have athletes, but they just don't have experienced athletes, and that environment should be really. Uh, extraordinary because those kids get to play in that stadium. Uh, it's quote-unquote neutral. There'll be a lot of Florida State people there. Everybody's automatically saying, oh, the OSU people will be there. They'll, be, they'll have the most fans there. I think they'll have a lot of fans. So I'm not so sure they'll have, they'll have a ton more fans in Florida State because uh, why wouldn't you want to travel with your team and play at a national TV game and go to that stadium and 
So, but long story short, I'm taking Florida State to uh, cover the 18. I just think they got too much firepower, and OSU's got too many young players. Sometimes there's no need to overthink it, right? Yep, yep. All right, final game here. Wisconsin versus LSU. This one being played in Houston. LSU, a lot of youth, a lot of inexperience, but no doubt a lot of talent. The Tigers, a five-point favorite against Wisconsin. Who you got? Yeah, it's a provocative game, to say the least. And, and uh, the thing for me, that the two points that stand out to me are, one, they're playing in Houston, mm-hmm. uh, which is really prime recruiting ground for LSU. Uh, and, they're, and the fact that crazy Les Miles is talking about playing two quarterbacks. <laughs> you know, the old, the old adage is, you know, if you've got two quarterbacks, you don't have one. I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, it sounds good, I guess, in bar talk. Uh, I just we wonder about continuity. You wonder about timing. We, we you know, quarterbacks have different rhythms, different release points. Every receiver's got to get used to their ball as opposed to the other guy's ball. I just I'm uncomfortable with the two quarterback thing. I'm anxious to see the big freshman running back. Who everybody says it's kind of like a new uh, era. Uh, Marcus Dupree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess he got offered a scholarship there when he was in the ninth grade, so they've had their eye on him for quite some time. Uh, that'd be pretty damn good to get an offer from a D1 school before you got your driver's license. That's the way to go. <laughs> that's, the way to, that's the way to make Dad happy, right? Buy you yeah. a nice car when you get to 16. Sure. Yep. But I, I have this hunch, guys, that there's a little indecision in that LSU thing. Uh, and I thought last year Gary Anderson – First year at Wisconsin, right? Yep. Uh, I think he's a pretty good coach. And I think they see the opportunity here on this nationally televised game in Houston. I'm going to have to take, uh, you know, I haven't given, I haven't laid the points yet. I'm going to stay consistent. I'm going to go off the radar here a little bit and take Wisconsin. Wow. And those, and those five points. And I don't feel great about it. I wouldn't bet a dime on it. But I just got a feeling that the uh, LSU is not going to score a lot of points. And I think Wisconsin has a chance to control the clock. So, uh, and, and LSU's strength is their defense. So if they can create three and outs and get, their, get those two quarterbacks more snaps, then I feel better about the Tigers. But I, I do think Wisconsin is going to be well-coached, well-represented, and uh, erase last year's uh, successes or failures. And they're starting new with, a new, with, their, with their coach. With the second year there, uh, I just – I just, it's a gut feeling, that's all. And I'm not a Big Ten guy, but I, I do think Wisconsin will play within five of LSU. All right, well, we've gone over the picks of the week. We've gone over your thoughts on OU this season and Trevor Knight. Here's my question as a, just an enormous fan of food. You've got your line of sauces. <laughs> You've got your line of sauces. Everybody knows college football and food, basically one in the same pastime. You tailgate. You throw parties, you have people over for away games, whatever. What is your number one cut of meat to serve with one of your sauces, and which sauce is that? Oh, man. Uh, I like... Uh, if you had I to like, impress the queen. I, I, would, uh, I would do my special uh, grilled, tra- grilled uh, salmon. Okay. And, I would, and then when you turn it, the last time on the grill, when you turn it over, you flip it. You've already got it done on one side. On the on mm-hmm. the done side, uh, about two or three minutes before it's done, you take our uh, main event mustard. Mm. Uh, and it's got a, it's actually it's a uh, high quality jalapeno honey mustard. 
Ooh. And it's uh, it's absolutely amazing. And then you drizzle that on the salmon and uh, let it uh, stay there the final two or three minutes of the grilling cycle. And it's pretty damn hard to beat. I am so hungry. So that's the deal. We make two barbecue sauces, a, a ketchup, a mustard, and a seasoning, notwithstanding the some beef jerky. So all made in Oklahoma. It's all good. Uh, I didn't want to do a product that was a gimmick. You know, it's... it's JR's gimmick sauce. So you buy one bottle, it's horrible. It's like a lot of celebrities, uh, which I don't really consider myself one, but a lot of cooking celebrities uh, put out their own stuff, and some of it is just god awful. You think you're thinking, you, know, you just took the money, man. You just took the money because this is not up to your standards based on your television programs. And uh, so I didn't want to be that guy. So we, our products are good and they're wholesome and they're made with great ingredients and. Uh, it's a it's a it's a it's an act of love for our family. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, look, we uh, we had a lot of fun having you on the show. You're welcome anytime to come on here and talk more about college football or barbecue sauces, Oklahoma, what have you. Uh, again, it's Jim Ross from the Ross Report podcast, which you can find every Tuesday night. A new one drops at 6 p.m. Pacific, right on over there at Podcast One. That's Podcast O N E dot com, and also the website and blog at www.jrsbarbq. Dot com. Jim, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for stopping by, and uh, hopefully we can talk to you soon. Oh, anytime, guys. I uh, always am willing to talk uh, football, and Oklahoma will have some key games this year, and, and I go to practice, and uh, one of the few people that Bob uh, co-stoops less in practice because he knows I don't uh, report my findings to the <laughs> media. I told one of those, one of those guys called me uh, and wanted to know, I said, man, I'm really, uh, I need some information. I know you go to practice, and you know, practices are closed, and and I said, he said, I really need something for my, uh, I got to, I got to write something. I said, well, okay, I tell you what, but don't, you can't let anybody know where it come came from. Okay, you gotta keep my, you gotta keep your source protected because I can't. There you my, go. Uh, <laughs> so I said, here's here, I'll give you one word, wish wishbone. <laughs> he said, what? Hey, that's all I'm gonna tell you, wishbone. <laughs> But I had him going for a minute. He thought, oh, my God, they're going to break out the wishbone. And, you know, so it never, obviously never happened. But, but it, it's fun. It's fun going to the practice. And I'll, I will be happy to uh, talk football with you guys on the air or at your local pub. There it is. Time. All right. Well, nice. both work for us and keep fighting the good fight down there in Norman. We will absolutely talk to you soon. Okay, fellas. Thanks a lot for having me on. Have a great day. All right, Dan, that was fun. Again, that is Jim Ross from the Ross Report podcast, which you can find over at podcastone.com. Also, don't forget to go to his website. Check out the sauces he discussed. It's jrsbarbq.com. You were asking all sorts of questions there, food related. I'm so hungry. Yeah, I haven't eaten yet, so that was scratching me right where I itch. Yeah, well, it's week one of the college football season, which means, one, I, I film the food show I do for, for my day job at SB Nation, Easy Call. Two, we're planning all week for what we're going to eat on Saturday, yep. which is just as important, if not more important, than the actual games, because I need to stay alive somehow, Ty. I am very hungry. But Jim Ross, fantastic to have him on. Great hat, great OU fandom, a lot of fun things to say about this season and uh, in Oklahoma in general. And... uh Excited to see if we can uh, we can reconnect because oh yeah if there if there are any two voices comparable to the legendary Jim Ross and the WWE WWF voice um, it's ours 
This is true. Definitely ours. This is true. Let's move on. Let's get to some of the other notable games here. We've got a couple more to power through before we can get to our respective dinners. Let's start with UCLA, a 22-point favorite traveling cross-country on the road against Virginia. This one being played on ESPN. I've been reading a lot about UCLA. It's hard not to. Our friend Bruce Feldman commented about how physical UCLA has looked thus far in practice. It's I think one of the better compliments you can pay Jim Mora being so he's made UCLA football tough again, Dan, tough again. This is a team that was soft under the old regime, right? Yes. Always helps when you have better players. Yeah, than that the too. Old regime. That too. It's, it's much easier to point to. Look how much tougher we are with blue chippers everywhere in the defensive front seven. But yes, it's I'm intrigued by the front seven with UCLA, not just for this game, but for the season. Uh, Kenny Clark, Ellis McCarthy, Eddie Vanderdoss, Miles Jack. Everybody knows the two way player. Probably not even the best linebacker. As good as he is, it still might be Eric Kendricks for UCLA. So I'm curious to see how they perform on the road against a pretty woeful Virginia offense. But in terms of what you like, talent wise in a team if you're looking for a team i don't think virginia has the capability to pull an upset but maybe make this ugly keep this close virginia is a talented team offensive line defensive line both pretty much intact especially they're adding talent with andrew brown the number one defensive tackle in the country from high school coming up uh will be a true freshman so intrigued by virginia's ability to perhaps and they have a really good secondary too. oh yeah this if this virginia defense you could put it on a lot of teams and maintain a top 20 ranking. This is, it's a good enough defense to do good things for a good team. Unfortunately, Virginia's defense is saddled with Virginia's offense. Mm, So I think Virginia probably, I think they could cover this game and we'll mention it over and over and over again. If a team is, if a very good team, like we agree, UCLA is, is going to look sloppy against a a mediocre team. Like Virginia's ceiling probably is right now. It's going to be the first week of the season when, and it's going to be on the road, especially. So, 22 point spread. That's where we're at right now. Yep. I could see 34, 14, 34, 16, something like that, where it's never really that close. And why would UCLA leave starters on the field third end of the third, fourth quarter when they're up by so many, I could see Virginia putting together a nice little drive. Again, it might be the sound of the show. A little backdoor sitch. That's right. And as you mentioned, UCLA does have that superior talent, but Virginia does have virtually everyone back. And they need to make a statement because Mike London, look, it's now or never. He's got all this talent in the world. Are they going to take any kind of step forward? I could see the backdoor cover situation as well here, if only because, like you said, cross-country trip, early going for UCLA, maybe some jitters, clearly a national championship game for Virginia at this point. This might be one of their biggest games all season. So I'm going to take Virginia to cover here. I might end up looking stupid, but who cares? Yeah, I'm curious to see just in terms of long term thinking and viewing. I'm curious to see what UCLA looks UCLA looks like in, in terms of offensive skill. What receivers separate themselves? Of course, Shaq Evans gone from last season. What receivers, whether it's Lucian Payton, whoever, uh, a running back, so they don't have to put a linebacker in the backfield more than they should. I want to see before I'm ready to crown UCLA as a playoff team, like a lot of people are very quick to do right now. They're the, the sexy team. I want to see offensive skill come through. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense to me. Let's move to the SEC. Another game worth noting, Arkansas at Auburn. The Tigers, a 20-point favorite in an interesting subplot, Dan. Wrinkle. Arkansas quarterback Brandon Allen's truck was set ablaze. Torched. Earlier this week. Not a good start to game week here in 2014. Right. Um, You know, only a few things, I think, 
in the first week of the season about which you can be really confident. Yeah. Arkansas not being able to outscore Auburn in week one is Mm -hmm. one of those things that I feel is an ironclad lock. An Auburn team without Nick Marshall for an indeterminate amount of time in this game. Still, I like Auburn a heck of a lot more. Yeah. You know, it's hard not to. I do like the Arkansas running game. I like their line, but yeah, they got to learn to pass. They couldn't do that all that well last season when right. their leading receiver caught just 31 passes. Right. Auburn's winning this game. They're covering the spread. I don't care who's playing quarterback. Arkansas is going to be better, but they're just not going to be better in time for Auburn here. Auburn wins this one, I say, by four touchdowns. Yeah, I'm going to say it's like a 44-17. I think it's it's pretty clean for uh, for Auburn. Even without Nick Marshall, I think the the two deep now is going to be very good. Uh, it's an unfortunate thing about Carl Lawson that we won't be able to see him, at least for most of this year, if not all of the year, for Auburn. But Intrigued to see what Arkansas is able to do defensively. They don't have the talent. They lose their defensive coordinator, Chris Ash, I believe his name, to Ohio State. Um, but I'm I want to see little victories from Arkansas. They can lose by 30 and still offer flashes like, oh, they're gonna win two or three SEC games this year, maybe. That could be a thing. I don't I'm not super confident in that, but they've recruited interestingly enough where I just want to see flashes. I think Auburn's about four, four and a half touchdowns better. All right, let's move on. Another game here on our slate. And I have updated news about this game. That's right. Breaking news. It's Fresno State at USC. A 21 and a half point favorite are the Trojans. This game on Fox and I take it your news is about one Josh Shaw. No, I was just my news was going to be USC's fan base is still the most virtuous and wonderful in the country. <laughs> that was the update that they are still the, the best. They are still awesome. No, uh, Josh, uh, a, a really strange story. This it is bizarre, from being, man. From really heartwarming to just confusing and now bizarre. And now there's at least a bit of resolution. Josh Shaw, the story came out earlier in the week that he had sprained his ankles after jumping off of a balcony. And I'm sorry if I get any of these details wrong in his hometown of Palmdale, which if you're not familiar with Southern California, it's pretty removed from USC north of it's sort of in the middle of nowhere on your way to Bakersfield Um, in his hometown, jumped off of a platform, a balcony to rescue his seven-year-old nephew from drowning. It was successful, but sprain had a bilateral sprain of his ankles, high ankle sprains. Um, then it comes out yesterday. We're recording this on Wednesday. I believe it came out yesterday that perhaps the story was not as Josh Shaw had presented it to USC and Steve Sarkeesian. And then there were rumors about police reports and LAPD involvement. And the LAPD said he was not named in a police report. And then it came out mere minutes ago as recording this Wednesday evening that Josh Shaw admitted uh, after insisting his story was true, admitted that he lied to uh, the coaching staff in USC Oops. and and Steve Sarkeesian and the USC uh, administration, I guess, football administration has suspended him indefinitely. What does this mean for Fresno State USC? Well, he wasn't going to be playing in this game anyway after spraining both of his ankles, but it means that USC for a now indeterminate amount of time for both injury and disciplinary reasons will be without their clear number one cover corner. Yeah. Florida transfer. Palmdale native Josh Shaw, who was really valuable, could play both corner and safety. They've got a couple of good young safeties there, but to lose uh, an entire side of the field, uh, especially if USC had been planning on some island work with Justin Wilcox's new defense, damaging. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, these two teams played in Fresno at the end of last season. USC won that one by 25. Yes. Now Fresno's taking the trip to LA. They're without Derek Carr, without his top two receivers who hauled in a combined 231 oh, passes Devontae last Adams year. Is so good. You know, so the gut reaction is to say that USC covers this one going away. Right. However, Tim DeRuiter, mm-hmm. in the words of our good friend Ted Miller, Tim DeRuiter and Fresno State, they've got a salty, salty. defense. It's aggressive minded yeah. on defense. Yes. That'll keep things interesting. I don't think Fresno can score with USC, at least not at this early juncture in 2014. But I think. Fresno can keep the score down enough to lose by only like 17 points and cover the spread. So I'm going to go Fresno plus 21 and a half. I agree. No, I, I really think USC is going to be quite good, especially as they get their actual scholarship numbers up. They're going into this game, I think around 64, 65 healthy scholarship bodies at this point, maybe 63 because of the Josh Shaw situation. Um, I think USC is going to be very good. This is the first game with a relatively new offense, even though they keep Clay Helton, their offensive coordinator these past couple of years, relatively new offense. They want to do a little bit more spread, a little more uh, hurry up, up tempo kind of stuff on offense. Justin Wilcox, of course, installs his more multiple look uh, coming from their, their five, two defense last year. There are going to be some adjustments there. So it's going to take a little bit of time. It appears maybe not, maybe it'll be a seamless transition to just learn keys, communicate when you get to game speed, especially with Fresno state, playing as quickly as they do. They're going to throw the ball a ton. They're going to make, they're going to, they're going to put stress on USC's now somewhat depleted secondary, a secondary that's going to count on some, uh, some true freshmen, very talented, true freshmen, but true freshmen. Nonetheless, I, uh, I expect Fresno state to stay in this game. I think USC, their talent level is so far above and beyond that they distance themselves late. But I still think your prediction of around 17, 34, 17 sounds about right to me. And then finally, it's the Monday night, football game yes miami at louisville louisville a three and a half point favorite this one on espn and you didn't think we forgot about chris the capper did you here's his lock of the week hey guys it's chris the capper back here uh we went 11 and 6 last year and are now in our fourth season of uh of this little segment uh let's try to pick some winners again this year For the first week, let's take the Louisville Cardinals minus three at home against Miami on uh, Monday, September 1st. Uh, I'm a really big fan of Bobby Petrino in general, and I actually think the Cardinals will be pretty good this year, uh, even though they will be without wide receiver Deontay Parker for a while. They returned seven offensive starters uh, on an offense that should pick up right where it locked off, where they averaged around 35 points a game last year. Miami seems to be in flux. They just named a true freshman as their starting QB, only returned five off at the starters. That was pretty inconsistent last year. The Hurricanes also have, you know, major issues on defense. Let's see, 90th in pass defense, 89th in, to- in total defense. And that sets up really, really nicely for uh, for Bobby Petrino offense at home, under the lights, on Labor Day, playing their first official ACC game. Uh, another little food for thought, I know that the two teams were different last year, but the Cardinal also blitzed Miami in their bowl game by 27 points. So let's take the Cardinals to win this one and cover the small spread 34 to 24. All right. He's got Louisville. He loves yes. the Cardinal in this one. Here's all I got to say. Al Golden mm-hmm. hitching the wagon to a true freshman. His first start on the road at night on ESPN for all the pizzas in Louisville's first official ACC conference game in Papa John's Cardinal Stadium. 
I agree. I think there, even with the losses Louisville had on both sides of the ball to graduation, the draft, whatever, I still think the stability, and yes, I'm using the word stability when talking about the loss of pretty much the entire coaching staff and the addition of Bobby Petrino yep. is more significant than what Miami has gone through with how bad their defense has been, their quarterback injuries, and transfer weirdness. I just... I feel good about Louisville. Yeah, I mean, and my hunch is, for a lot of people, picking the winner here is a lot like choosing between freezing to death and burning alive because people still hate Miami because of those great intimidating teams under Jimmy Johnson in the 80s. And people are always going to root against Bobby Petrino because he's a snake. So I get it, trust me. But if you like Miami, my question is why? why? Why do you like Miami in this game? Other than Duke Johnson. Unless you love Brad Kaya, the true freshman, who actually played, he played high school about three minutes from Casa de Rubenstein, Solid Verbal West, where we did a lot of content, a lot of shows. Yeah. Um, yes, if you if you really like the true freshman, who I think is going to be good eventually, I guess that's a reason, but on the road, you don't just waltz into the Papa J, Ty. No. You don't just waltz into Papa John Stadium. Um, I, I just, I still feel like Louisville, the continuity. Well, I mean, it, it sucks that Devonte Parker, who is like the clear, clear number one receiver, he's going to be out for a little bit. But they've recruited receiver well. James Quick should be able to step in and and make some big plays. I think Louisville is in enough of a successful rhythm, even without Charlie Strong, that I feel confident in them at like a twenty-four to sixteen clip. All right. Well. Chris has Louisville minus three and a half. I see there are some picks here from Katie the Capper. Who are her locks of the week? Katie the Capper, who started out her time last year, memorably selecting Alabama over somebody because she once knew a boy at Alabama who was super cute. Yep, that counts. Um, and then and then proceeded to rip off like 81% of her picks against the spread That's right. for like the next six weeks. Uh, she has gone with Georgia, Florida State, USC, Texas A&M, and Wisconsin. Once again, Georgia to cover, Florida State to cover, USC to cover their own points, Texas A&M as the dogs to cover, Wisconsin as the dogs to cover. Not a Midwestern girl at heart, she likes the Badgers. Not a bad pick, Dan. Who is your lock of the week? That's a great question, Ty. My lock of the week, I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with the old ball coach. I'm going to go with South Carolina. I know you don't feel great about it, but I feel great about it. Lock of the week. Your lock of the week is the old ball coach. Again, Chris, the capper, going with Louisville. That, you know, mostly it's it's the lock that Texas A&M's defense is going to be pretty terrible. Okay. I could what see do you that. Got? I am going to say Alabama. Lock of the week. I think any goodwill Nick Saban may have is effectively negated by the fact that Clint Trickett's first kiss was apparently (laughs) Kristen Saban. So give me Bama minus the 26. You've got South Carolina minus the 10 and a half. And Chris, the cappers got uh, Louisville minus the three and a half at home at night. First ACC game. We've got one more segment left here. Give me some nature, Ty. Only one more segment. Give me some nature. It is the Patriot League lightning (laughs) round 
once more, Daniel. We've brought it back. It's out of retirement. One more season. We've got five Patriot League games. Let's pick these accordingly, Dan. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I come from Lafayette stock, and you, of course, are engaged to Lehigh stock. That's right. So a lot of tension. That's what you're feeling right now if you're listening. Wagner traveling to Georgetown. Got to stick with my Pat Lee Hoyas. Yeah, Uh, you're going Hoyas? Especially after first-time guest Nicole Auerbach stated openly that she herself wants to be a live bulldog. I feel good about picking Georgetown here. Okay. Um, I am going to go with Georgetown. I am going to go with Georgetown as well, Daniel. Um, A disappointing last few years for the Hoyas, but I feel good. Are you sure this game's being played at Georgetown? Because it seems like it's all the rage lately to play these games at neutral sites on the first week of the year. I did some further investigating, and I did myself discover that the Patriot League, in taking a note from Rutgers, who wants to be the official team of New York City, and they want that sweet, sweet TV money, and obviously Pat League teams are far too big to be playing home and homes. Georgetown Wagner's taking this to China. Oh, Bird's playing Nest? At the Bird's Nest. Going playing Bird's Nest? Olympic Stadium. Yeah, I respect that. In about two, three short years, obviously Larry Scott's been wanting to do this for some time, and kudos to the Patriot League for jumping on it. You're going to be seeing Georgetown and Wagner shirts <laughs> across the subcontinent of China, right along the Yangtze's, okay. right along that Yellow River, right along the Gobi Desert, all Georgetown, all Wagner, all the time. That's some good geography lessons there. All Thank right, who else? Very- we both got Georgetown in the bird's nest in Beijing. Who else? The Crusaders of Holy Cross traveling to a road game, but you get this tie, another neutral site game as they play against the Albany Blue Raiders or whatever Albany's nickname is. I just made that up. This one's going to be a heated battle, not just because it's Albany Holy Cross, perhaps, perhaps the superior non-conference rivalry of the Patriot League, but also because they are traveling down Mexico ways to play in Azteca. Azteca. A violent, passionate, swarming crowd will be there as the Holy Cross Crusaders challenge Albany. And again, perhaps the most violent of non-conference Patriot League matchups. That's right. Holy Cross, uh, of course, a, you know, holy place, Mexico, a religious place. Let's go Holy Cross. Holy Cross. Yeah. My my new state. Yeah. Okay. Next. Uh, Next, we've got St. Francis of PA on the road at Fordham. Look, they got to play this one at MetLife Stadium, right? That makes sense. They have to play. It makes sense. I, I, some argue New York's true college football program, Fordham. Of course, they had their own run-ins with the authorities last year, but yep. I feel like this year at MetLife, Fordham really is going to distance themselves from the St. Francis uh, <laughs> Cougar St. Francis team. The Cougar Trappers of St. Francis uh, stand no chance against the, the Fordham Muskrats, and I feel good that Fordham's going to run away with this one. Vegas has this one off the board because the action is so severe coming for Fordham. I've got St. Francis. I'll go with my home state. I'm going Fordham. Okay. Local Borough, Bronx. Next. Colgate at Ball State in the Tokyo Dome in Tokyo, Japan. Yeah. The Tokyo Dome, of course, not a traditional college football site, but I appreciate and applaud the Patriot League for thinking outside of the box looking to Asia as that fresh new market, and much like they will be celebrating Wagner and Georgetown all along the subcontinent of China. I feel fantastic about the Japanese citizens getting (laughs) fully on board with Ball State. Colgate makes a good point. They drive a hard bargain. They make it seem like we should be all on the Colgate wagon, but Ball State, Japan, 
goes together like chicken and dumplings and Toro. That's right. We've been getting Toro. all sorts of requests to go on Japanese radio to talk about Ball State this week. It really is strange, and I didn't know where it was coming from until yeah. I looked at the schedule. I did some a deeper dive. Japan, the country for Ball State. I'm going and Ball finally, State. I'm going Ball State as well. Okay, finally, the Virginia Military Institute, which VMI. Rep- represented quite nicely with this drum and fife you're hearing behind me. Attacking Bucknell, the bison of Bucknell. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, surely this is a home game for the bison. You feel good about Bucknell. Not so fast. As Roger Goodell has wanted to expand to the great continent of Europe and London specifically, a burgeoning football metropolis, Bucknell will be hosting VMI in Wembley Stadium in London town. Do I feel good about this game? You betcha. I feel great about the bison. VMI, for as much of a fight as the institutors will put up (laughs) against the bison you gotta go bucknell here the old adage says look you have two quarterbacks show me a team with two quarterbacks i'll show you a team with none also you show me a bucknell bison team in wembley stadium i will show you a losing vmi squad yeah i'm gonna go bucknell too all right you were really struggling there you pulled it (laughs) off though you sold it well i feel great about that segment ty do you have a secret verbal the first secret verbal of the season well you know, it's been a while since we did a secret verbal, Dan. New friend of the show. I've got it. Chantel oh. Jennings, ESPN. Pac-12 writer. Okay. Who might have the single best new avatar of the college football media landscape. Okay. What is the message going to be, though? I think we keep it in the mammal world with our mammal show this week. Okay. So I listened to an incredible podcast on Radiolab. Right. Right. One of my favorite shows about how they're building a human to dolphin translator or a couple scientists are at least trying. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking something in that vein. How's the dolphin to human, human to dolphin translator coming? And when did you start this project? Something in that vein. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. So some sort of human dolphin language barrier being broached, being connected. Yeah. Okay. What is the All Twitter right. name again? Chantel Jennings. It's C-H-A-N-T-E-L Jennings, J-E-N-N-I-N-G-S. Okay. Talk about dolphins. Talk about translators. Gosh, we want to talk to dolphins. How cool would that be? So we, we have to presume that she did this. Of course. So it's something like, after studying with dolphins for a number of years, or after studying the speech patterns of dolphins for a number of years, what was the weirdest thing? How about we just say... Yeah, what was the weirdest thing a dolphin told you in confidence? Okay, yeah, that sounds good. So after studying this, and you cannot mention that it's from the solid verbal. No. The question again is, hi, Chantel, like big fan of your work at the Pac-12 uh, and ESPN. After your time studying dolphin speech patterns, what, what can you say is the weirdest thing a dolphin ever confided in you with? I, I mean, I think that's perfectly reasonable. Some sort of, do not make any allusion to the solid verbal, but you know, very politely ask her for the, the dolphin communication dirt. There you have it, Dan. I feel like we got to a good place there. I think so too. Yeah. So look, the show is now in the books. Yes. The show is in the books. Big thanks again to our friend, Jim Ross from the Ross report podcast. We'll post his links on solidverbal.com. Don't forget about our secret verbal. Don't forget about our picks. Don't forget to give us a call at 408-VERBAL-1. That's 408-VERBAL-1. When you're watching 
when you're at, when you're listening to the college football games. Let us know what's on your mind as you're watching. Also, email us at solidverbal at gmail.com. Tweet us at solidverbal. Look for us on Facebook. Look for us on FanCred Dan. It is great to be back in season. Woo! For that guy over there, Mr. Dan Rubenstein. For myself, Ty, here in good old Allentown. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll catch you all on Sunday. In the meantime, enjoy college football's week one and stay solid. Peace!